0: Welcome to a special edition of the Washington State Indivisible podcast. I'm your host, Stefan Cox. Hello. Today's special is devoted to following up with two people who have previously been on the show, Michael Nash and Chris Petzold, uh, about a town hall in absentia and a personal meeting, respectively, with Congressman Dave Reichert. So... If you follow politics, you have been hearing a fair bit lately about town hall meetings. And if you follow local politics, and because you listen to this show, I am fairly certain that you do, you have likely heard about the 8th District's Dave Reichert's unwillingness to hold a town hall with his constituents, this despite numerous requests for him to do so. Uh, Instead of a live town hall, Reichert opted to do an event with Seattle PBS station KCTS that was also live streamed. On Facebook, hoping that that would suffice. It did not, at least in the minds of at least 600 of some of his constituents who turned out for a rally in front of Rikert's Issaquah office, sponsored by the Washington State activist organization Fuse. Here's a little bit of that. In case you didn't catch that, that's people turning a Cheech and Chong sketch into an incredibly catchy chant because, hey, Washingtonians rule. Anyway, uh, ironically, given that ostensibly among the reasons for Reichert not wanting to do a town hall was because he did not want to get the kind of YouTube moment that his fellow GOP congresspersons are getting at their town halls. His refusal to do one has resulted in way more attention. Uh, The parking lot event actually wound up making national news with coverage on both Daily Coast and even Rachel Maddow. On Friday, on KUOW's The Record with Bill Radke, during their Week in Review segment, they devoted the entire first 15 minutes to Reichert, at one point remarking, when was the last time Dave Reichert was even in the news? And then, as we talked about on last week's show, uh, North Central Washington founder Michael Nash held a town hall in absentia for Dave Reichert called the Empty Chair Town Hall in Cashmere. That was on the 20th. Uh, I asked Michael to come back and report on how it went, and he has been gracious enough to do so. So, uh, Michael Nash, thanks for coming back on, man. Well, oh, Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. So give us an idea of how it went. You had uh, quite a few people show up, yeah?
1: Yeah, we estimated about 380, 385.
0: That's great. And you had a number of speakers. Uh Give us an idea of some of the key talking points. I know the main focus was, was the ACA and his vote on the ACA.
1: That's right. We um, started the evening with Dr. Crittenden from Inslee's office, Governor Ins- Inslee's office. Um, he was gracious enough to fly over in a snowstorm. And- well. Come on, come on over that evening, and he shared about fifteen or so minutes. Um, had a had a PowerPoint and just some really great information about the ACA and uh, specific to this area and the number of people that are covered. And you know, the lo- the bottom line being, um, you know, that the program is actually paying for itself and that um, thousands of people are benefiting from it. And people are going to be in a world of hurt if it was to be repealed. So he was just a great start to the evening. Um actually to be honest with you, we started with I facilitated a little bit of discussion up front and then we had just a, a just a sweet little boy come up and read us in the Pledge mm-hmm. of Allegiance and uh, oh, then yes. we had then we had Dr. Grittenden. and then we opened the floor um to uh citizens and my co facilitator Joe Morrison and I uh just took turns with the microphones kind of wandering through the crowd and had people share and it was just really compelling beautiful heartbreaking stories we had um you know we had people with chronic illnesses that are you know otherwise able-bodied and working hard and trying to make ends meet and that would would not in in a couple cases would probably not even be alive today without the ACA Uh, we Mm -hmm. had uh, doctors we had uh, other healthcare professionals speak up and and speak to the um, the importance and the need uh, we talked. Well, one woman spoke up and talked about her son who has autism and the fact that um, the the program would not be funded uh, if it wasn't for the ACA. That actually helps her son in school. Um, just some really great, uh, very compelling uh, testimony.
0: You know, and with a. I guess a congressman who would be differently inclined, those are precisely the kind of stories that they would want to take back to Washington, right? To be able to say, hey, people in my, uh, my district, you know, are being directly affected and hear some of the stories, but uh, he was not there. Uh, you, I do know, because I did watch the feed of it, uh, you stayed true to your pledge that it was going to be respectful. It stayed extremely respectful
1: throughout. It did i and I'd like to talk about that for a minute with you I, I yeah, I mean first i agree it was it was very respectful there was um we i you you may remember we even applauded him in in mm-hmm. at least yeah. applauded his empty chair for some of his um positions he's taken and um, right, you you
0: actually thanked him on uh, a particular on the bridge act, his vote yeah. uh for the bridge act for working with uh Pramila Jayapal. So you know, in addition to being respectful, you were even gracious and and you were grateful to him for doing the things that he did that, that you agreed with.
1: Yeah, uh, we did. We also thanked him for some of his environmental stances. And and and, and again, as as I shared with you earlier on the on the previous show, we've you know we guaranteed him that it was going to be respectful. I believe it would have been even if he was there we um not only are you know Joe and I are are we're relatively skilled at facilitating and we're willing to say to somebody that hey that's not appropriate we're not going to be that way tonight um but I also believe that we are surrounded by a community of people that are just those kind of people we're um we're not going to be cruel we're not going to be unreasonable you know we really were there to dialogue um you know his stated reasons of course for not having town halls um you know he as you know he's one of the representatives that have decided he's just not going to do it. And and he claims it's for his own safety and and that it wouldn't be uh, productive because people will just yell and scream and insult. And, and, and I've seen the same uh, town hall clips on TV. I, I get it. I, I think they're uh, not productive. I don't like them. Um, but I also think that it's kind of a cop out at this point. I, I think that, you know, we did our very best to guarantee him that this was going to be respectful. I actually just think he is not willing to answer hard questions
0: it would appear and in avoiding these types of events uh he's actually attracting more attention to himself um one of the things that i wanted to ask you about that wasn't covered in the video was you had booths where people could actually tell their personal stories on camera about their experiences with the aca Uh, how'd that turn out
1: really good we had three we had three stations around the the hall afterwards Uh, With three video cameras, and um, they were definitely utilized. We had um, I don't know, maybe a dozen different people stop by and tell their stories, and uh, we are we are packaging those up to deliver to. representative Reichardt um, mm. in, the, in the near future. And,
0: you know, obviously he declined to show up or even send a spokesperson. Right. Have you gotten any response from his office? Have, have they said anything at all to you about the event?
1: No, they haven't. And um, we a couple things coming up here. We actually uh, Wednesday, we're going to have a ad in the newspaper, um, kind of an open letter to him. Um, it's Again, it's, it's respectful, but it lays out kind of what we did that night. It, it expresses to him, um, again, our gratitude for some of his positions he's taken. It, it asks him to get back to us. Um, it, you know, it expresses that we're sorry that he wasn't there, but here's what we talked about, and here's why it matters, and here's what we hope you'll do. So um, I think that one of the reasons – a couple of us are talking about this recently. I think that one of the reasons that, that Representative Reichardt is not meeting with us um in town hall settings or with media present um I just don't think he has actual answers for some of these questions, and I think that mm-hmm. you know the question of accountability, you know whether it's about trump's tax returns or investigating Trump with the russia connection or the or the conflicts of interest or whatever it may be it's unconscionable to me that the Republicans aren't willing to shine the spotlight on that stuff and to bring accountability to to government and i think that's that's um that's frightening to me that he's not willing to do that that they're not willing to do that and he and he doesn't really have an answer he the the answer i heard on tv was something like you know he doesn't want to compel trump to show his tax returns because that might cause people to want to impeach him and i I just can't believe that I, i just thought well if there's something impeachable in there why wouldn't he want us to see that i mean isn't that what accountability and government is all about. So it just concerns me that he I don't I don't think he actually has actual answers for these questions. And that's why he's not wanting to show up and talk to us.
0: You will actually get a chance to ask some of those questions directly, though, because you did get a one on one meeting. I think it's a group of eight of you that are going to be meeting with him. Yes.
1: Yeah, right. There's um, several groups, a couple different indivisible groups. And in the uh, North Central Washington United that I'm part of, we've I've mm-hmm. um, been, been given eight slots to sit down with him without media behind closed doors and um, share with him like they did over in Issaquah.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I wish you luck on, on that. And, and, you know, you're a <laughs> you're a friend of the podcast. So I, I would welcome you to come back and, and talk about that uh, afterwards, if you would care to come back and, and share what your experiences were. That'd be great. Thank you so much for following up with us. And thanks for all of the great work that you are continuing to do with your group.
1: Hey, thanks, Stefan. Thanks for having me on.
0: And now we are joined by Chris Petzold. Chris is the leader of Indivisible Washington's 8th District, and she, along with other leaders from different groups across the district, actually arranged an in-person meeting with Reichert last week at his Issaquah office to talk with him about a number of issues. So, Chris, it was you and how many others?
2: Yeah, there was actually seven other folks from different groups. Um, And it was interesting the way it came out. Michelle, uh, from one of the other, the Snoqualmie group, uh, actually reached out to Dave Reichert's office uh, on Inauguration Day and set up a meeting with his uh, regional director there. And uh, that has sort of turned into a regular meeting cadence between Michelle, you know, and others uh, in the different groups. And this meeting with Dave Reichert on Thursday... I'm sorry. Friday uh, just was born out of that that interaction we have with his
0: staff. So, what was the process like when you arrived and met with the staff? How did how did that go?
2: It was great, actually. They are they are they are super welcoming, uh, and it was actually really awesome to put some faces to to the folks that we talk to on the phone all the time, because sure. they're the ones answering our calls. And so, it just made me stop and reflect for a minute that we're all human beings, mm-hmm. and same for Dave Reichert himself. So, it was just great for us to see them and him and 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 vice versa.
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting when you have that kind of distance and, you know, well, with the staff, you have a phone interaction. And so you have a voice without a face. But with him, uh, Mm -hmm. you sort of have this figure that you don't have any personal contact with. So uh, you actually sat down and met with him face to face when you met him. What was his what was his general demeanor like? Was he warm and welcoming or how, how, how was it?
2: super friendly. Uh, mm-hmm. He's just very friendly, polished. Uh, he asked for and remembered everyone's names pretty much. Yeah. Um, he told a lot of stories um, <laughs> through the course of the meeting. Um, what sort of inter- stories
0: did he tell? Uh,
2: just about various interactions with his fellow lawmakers. Uh, we got some interesting insights into how things work in Washington and how he influences others, uh, and just about, you know, other constituents, uh, coming to talk to him, um, just, and stories about his past, you know, growing up, um, of course, during his years as sheriff, uh, so we heard a lot, <laughs> heard a lot of stories.
0: Did he talk about the Green River Killer? Um, a lot of people know that he was one of the sheriffs involved in the capture of the Green River no. Killer.
2: No, he did not. Oh,
0: he did not bring he that did up. Not. Okay. okay. No,
2: <laughs> was, I was waiting for it, but he did not.
0: So you went in with some specific talking points um, that were representative of your group. What were they?
2: We we really wanted to uh, talk about uh, Donald Trump. <laughs> we wanted to talk about the travel ban. Uh, we wanted to talk about the environment, uh, religious oppression. Uh, Campaign finance reform. So those those were the main and and also Donald Trump's taxes. Those were the main talking points that we went in with. Um, Okay, well,
0: let's let's take that last one first, because I'm very curious to know what he said about that, because he sits on the Ways and Means Committee, which mm -hmm. uh, and he uh, was one of the people who voted with the majority, to not uh, force Donald Trump to reveal his tax returns. When asked about that, what did Dave Reichert have to say?
2: Not much. It was, it was quite a closed conversation uh, for, about that. He uh, clearly believes in due process, and he feels that it's outside of the extent of the law to request Donald Trump's taxes. And he gave the example that they gave um, in the the committee hearing on the topic, which I listened to and watched. The law is that only the chairman can request tax returns from a private citizen, and they're not going to do it.
0: Okay. (laughs) That sounds like uh, that was as much of an answer as you're going to be able to get from him out of that. Um, What did he have to say about uh, the environment?
2: (laughs) uh, He points to being uh, one of 13 Republicans um, on the Climate Solutions Caucus. Um, He's very proud of that and the work he's done to uh, work on, you know, Alpine Lakes and other state of Washington uh, protected areas concerns. And he... Uh, really wants us to think or know that he cares about the environment. It's hard to reconcile, though, with some of the votes on climate that he's that he's done.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about the congressman's stance on Donald Trump and his agenda generally. Uh, for those of us who watched Reichert's, um, they called it a Facebook town hall, but that's Kind of not the right word. Um, Interview. Yeah, interview. interview. Good, better. Uh, (laughs) So the congressman was fairly clear in his interview that he does not fully support Donald Trump. Uh, He said that he didn't vote for him. Um, But I'm wondering in the smaller meeting that you were in, which was not broadcast, uh, there was no media there, um, was his response on Donald Trump different when you asked him?
2: He... Wanted us to know that he did not vote for Donald Trump. Okay.
0: So he reiterated that.
2: Yes. And, uh, he said like that he reiterated, like he did in the case, CTS nine, the statement about had he had Donald Trump, uh, made those statements about sexually assaulting women in King County, uh, before the statute of limitations was up, he would have arrested him because that's a confession. Right. Um, but other than that, uh, You know, there wasn't a lot of strong statements uh, on why he doesn't support Donald Trump. For example, there was there was no. I didn't get a picture of why he doesn't support him. I mean, we don't either, so Mm. uh, I didn't really press him. But there's no. He didn't state any reasons why he doesn't support Donald Trump. He did mention um, that there is some pending pending uh, court case, which I need to research. Uh, about a ruling regarding executive order overreach uh, when it comes to spending the taxpayer money, and he's anxiously awaiting that. I guess it was uh, the process was started during the Obama administration, and he, you know, feels like that's a way that, he, in his role, he can start um, pushing back against what Trump is doing.
0: Right, because he sits on Ways and Means, which is a purse-string committee. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did you talk about immigration at all with him?
2: It, we tried. Uh, we had a long list of things, uh, and we really didn't get through much of our agenda uh, because of there was just a lot of discussion and a lot of stories on, on the individual topics. We didn't get through what we wanted to talk about.
0: How much time did he give you in total?
2: Uh, We were there just over an hour. It was supposed to be an hour, and we went went a little bit long. Um, They kept trying to pull him out of the meeting, and we got a few more interactions in.
0: So did you bring up the town hall issue, the fact that he has been reluctant to, or actually has flat out refused to hold town halls uh, with his constituents? Did you bring that up?
2: No, but he did. Uh, oh, he
0: actually volunteered that. Okay, what did he say?
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, he Well, at the start of the meeting, he said, this is great. He's happy to meet with us and have a dialogue. And he said that he's hoping to continue the dialogue that he started the previous day with the KCTS 9 uh, interview. And he, he suggested that next time they're going to work on something with maybe a small live audience.
0: Really? Mm-hmm. Well, that's very interesting. Did, did he give a time frame for that? No. Okay. Did you get a sense of what he cared about and what was important to him personally as a legislator?
2: Interesting question. Uh, really, no. <laughs>
1: mm.
2: I mean, we we understood a lot about how he he thinks that he thinks of the rule of law and due process, and he. Uh, uh, points to how difficult things are to get done in Washington, and I, you know, I believe it, uh, mm-hmm. and how slow-moving legislation is. Um, but I didn't hear other than you know the the his work, very good work that he's doing in terms of mending the division, as he calls it, in our country, specifically related to po- police officers and, uh, for example, the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, that seems to be a passion of his. But outside of that, I I didn't really hear anything.
0: Right. I know that as a former law enforcement officer, that would be important to him. But it makes you wonder what his take on the divide between, say, the Blue Lives Matter movement, such as it is, and the Black Lives Matter movement, because what we're seeing in the country right now is a very hostile and distrustful environment between law enforcement and minority communities right now. (laughs)
2: Yeah, he he seems very concerned about it, uh, about that particular issue, and you know, expanding on that to just just the broader issue of the divisiveness in our country. I think I could say that most all of us are concerned about that. Uh, he mentioned uh, working with John Lewis to write to to. Uh, co-author an op-ed piece um, regarding their work together um, on the on the racial issue.
0: I wasn't and, aware they were working together. That's interesting.
2: Yeah, yeah, and he he mentioned working really hard to get John Lewis to do that. So I thought that was some good news there. And uh, I need to follow up and, and read the piece. Um, he said he it, he had a hard time getting it published anywhere.
0: I'm surprised.
2: I know, I know. Yeah. Me too
0: you prepared a photo album for him, uh, you specifically requested from our group, the, our indivisible group, where I'm part of your group, the, of the Washington uh, 8th District indivisible group, you requested photos uh, and little blurbs from everybody kind of just saying, you know, this is who I am. This is what I'm about. This is what I care about. Please advocate on my behalf. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, thank you for doing that. That was a lot <laughs> of work. Um, th- when you presented that to him, what was his response? He seemed
2: to really appreciate it, actually. And, you know, you asked about his demeanor. He seemed super genuine. He's definitely a politician in terms of answering questions, but mm. he was very genuine. And when I gave him the photo album, uh, he he really seemed to appreciate it. He didn't look at it in front of me, but unlike the other materials that we brought and gave to him, which he handed off to his staff member, he, hold, he held on to it. And I hope, my hope is that he will look at it and see that we are all just truly concerned citizens. Um, And when he spoke out about, you know, his office receiving the 700 calls and somehow we're not his constituents too, that's what we're trying to get across to him. And I think it, I think he's starting to see it.
0: Yeah, that was going to be my final question, and it's a very subjective one. But, uh, yeah, did did you get a sense from him going away from that meeting that he maybe started to think about the people that he is representing uh, in in a more, but particularly the people on the other side of the political aisle, uh, a little bit more favorably?
2: Actually, no. Um, Okay. Uh, I wish I wish that was the case. And even uh, last night, he came out with a, a Facebook post and called out that we don't really agree on policy issues. Uh, and I didn't I didn't see him taking an action to to look into anything on our behalf. Quite the opposite. Uh, and regarding like one of the big topics that we are concerned about is Steve Bannon, his powerful position in our government now. And the response was that he didn't know Steve Bannon. Mm. Uh, and we presented him with articles, including Time Magazine. Um, and he, he said that he, sometimes things in Time ma- he hadn't read it, and sometimes things in Time Magazine aren't true. Uh, this was so concerning. And I even
0: <laughs> sort mm. of
2: blurted out, he's a white supremacist.
0: Yeah. You know? And, and what did he were, say to that when you said that?
2: It, it, there there was no there was just not a a, a a look of concern or even legitimacy to what we were saying, which mm. was very concerning. Uh, and uh, similarly on the tax issue, uh, just just falling back to what the law is now and and no outrage, no no validation of our concerns that the trump that the Trump tax returns would illuminate you know, who our president is beholden to, there was there was just nothing. Uh, he pointed to the four different um, investigations that are going on, but I felt that, you know, because of the issue, this needs to be something that he can look into as well. And so I what I would like to see him do, and I'm going to follow up with him, is Congress need okay, so the U.S., all of us got caught unawares with this president coming in and not, not, sharing his tax returns right. so he needs to start some legislation to not and and also he was allowed to continue without divesting his interests sure. super important yeah which is so, one
0: thing that uh, that actually i think he's going to face some legal action over uh in violation of what's called the emoluments clause yeah. which uh, makes him potentially vulnerable uh to you know to, to foreign uh, influence because yeah. he has, he has investments all over the world. So, yeah.
2: So, if, if, if Congress isn't going to uh, get Trump's tax returns uh, now, they can pass legislation to require them for presidential candidates in the future.
0: Which, for better or worse, is generally how the legislative process works. Um, was there anything that he said that particularly stood out for you that was positive?
2: Yeah. One one strong statement that he made, which was really great, was that he will not stand for people in his district being oppressed for their religious beliefs. Oh, that is good. I felt that that was really great. Um, and the other thing was, you know, as we were disagreeing on some politics, policy issues he said and i'm quoting if you don't like it you can vote me out
0: well that's bold uh, and i think there are a number of people who would uh, probably like to do just that and that is the yeah. way our political system works well thank you uh, chris as always for all the work that you do with our group thank you for taking the time to go to that meeting and especially thank you for coming on the show and talking about it here thanks for having me and that will do it for this special edition of the Washington State Indivisible Podcast. Thank you again to Chris Petzold and to Michael Nash. And thank you, as always, for listening. If you would like to get in touch, the email address is WashingtonIndivisiblePod at gmail.com. Again, Pod at gmail.com. The Washington State Indivisible Podcast is a production of Get Creative, Inc. I'm Stephen Cox. We'll talk to you guys next
1: time. Bye.